Bible's book of Luke, the 22nd chapter, Luke 22, and uh, hallelujah, so thankful for everybody that's here this morning, and we have prayed, will a God be done in this service? And I know you've prayed too, and I'm asking you, keep on praying, pray God's will be done. Amen, amen. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here right now, God, the power that is in your anointing, God, that's in your word, that's in your presence, God. Oh, we love you, God, and we ask you to just direct us, guide us, God, teach us today. And, Lord, we'll give you all the glory. I pray you just help us not only to be hearers, but to be doers And, Lord, we give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. 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 we got a lot of Bible today, and we're going to just start right here, really in the middle of a uh, conversation that's going on in the Word of God, Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee. That thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt deny that thou knowest me. God bless you. You can be seated. We're going to use a lot of Bible. That's, uh, that's, we're not going to apologize for that at all. I think there's a lot of, well, the Bible tells us there is going to be a famine in the land in the last days. And it's not of bread, but of hearing the word of God. Sadly, there's a lot of folks that are so ignorant of God's word. And even a lot of the teaching that goes on in these days that is very, very weak in Scripture. They might use a little bit, but you know what? It's amazing to me. Just so often I've had people that have been in church for years and just say, you know what? Hey, look at this Bible verse right here. And say, well, what's it say right before that? What's it say right after that? I, I, I never looked at that. What? What do you mean you never looked at it? I, I, I never really, hey, I, what, what about this? And, you know, context yeah. means everything. Right. And God will explain himself if you let him. Yeah. But so often people have really gone off on their traditions and what they really what they want to hear rather than being able to conform and say, God, I want to hear what the truth. I want to hear what your word says. I want you to put it in context. I want you to put your sights on me and and conform me, change me, mold me, and make me be what I need to be. Not me trying to change you, God. And we're going to stay in the Word of God today. Sadly, there's a lot of folks that will throw a lot of this out, but it's still there no matter what you do with it. You can wrestle with it all day. It's still in the Word of God. And what we see here in the book of Luke is there is a discussion going on, in fact, it looks like it's pretty heated. The Bible talks about it being uh, strife in verse 24. And they're trying to figure out who's the greatest amongst them. They are getting into this little battle here of who's greater than who. And, and, and uh, you know, Jesus is really trying to tell them that's not how we do things. That, that's not how Christians act. Amen. 
But nonetheless, they're in this strife, and Jesus begins to tell them that uh, you want to be great? Don't look at the world and try to be great like them. I'm going to transform you. They They don't have what you need. You have what they need. And this world is so broken and so full of pride and aggressively trying to tear each other apart to build each other, build themselves up. And he tells them, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you learn how to serve. You learn how to be a blessing. You learn how to help and minister. Be a servant. And in the midst of this just amazing teaching that Jesus is giving his disciples. I love how the word of God, it's not like a, a fairy tale. These aren't, these aren't uh, just extraordinary people. He's, these are just folks like you and I that, that need God. God shows us how Jesus just focuses in now on Simon Peter and uh, says, I want to tell you something. Devil's got his eyes on you. Satan wants you to be in his kingdom, working for him. Satan has desired to have you. It's personal. Amen. But he said, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you that your faith fail not. There is a, a, a calling out, if you will. Peter, you know, a lot of folks, uh, we, we like to identify ourselves with Peter because Peter is a man who, who, who God has, has called out of this world. And, and, and you can see so many great things. Peter's doing some amazing things as a follower of Jesus. And he's sold out. He's, he's for real. He's given it all. He's walked away from everything. But he just seems to always be, be just sticking his foot in his mouth. There's times where... He, he, he makes bold proclamations uh, that, that are just right on the money. Everybody else seems like they're just, just off base. And he says, I know who you are. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood hasn't told you this, but you've got a revelation. Right. Right. Amen. From heaven. Right. Amen. Upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell aren't going to prevail against it. This is this good What's going on? And, and, and just right after that, you know how, how Jesus begins to talk about the church and talk about this New Testament, what's coming and how it's going to transpire and unfold. And Jesus begins to talk to them about the cross, talk to them about how it's going to have to happen just this way. But, but he's going to rise again and it's all going to come together. You just wait and see it. Peter's not getting it now. He doesn't have the revelation. He's, he's seeing more what he wants. Jesus said, you're savoring the things of the flesh. It, it sounded religious. This wasn't him saying, I don't want none of this. I'm going back. No, no, he's not talking about going and getting drunk. He's not talking about going out and running around with wild women. He's just saying, no, not so, Lord. You're not going to die. Nothing's going to happen to you. And Peter says, Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're getting in my way. Don't, don't put a stumbling block in front of me. Amen. This is what I need to do. And, and you need to get with this. You want what you want. But this is what the kingdom of God is going to be about. 
And I can say that probably one of the best things I can say about Peter to this point in his life is that he didn't just say, who do you think you're talking to, Jesus, and walk off angry. But he, he somehow he found it himself to say, you know, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. I, I don't think I get all of it, but you know what? I, I think I'm going to let him lead. And I, I, I'm not gonna. I, I'm, I'm gonna be careful how I rebuke Jesus from now on. That's a, that's a good lesson to learn. And we can so often really look at Peter and say, you know, I, I, I like that he's just, he, he's like me. You know, he stumbles and he, he makes a, makes so many mistakes and, and, uh, you know, we, we get down to where things really start happening and and Jesus is heading to that cross and, and Peter starts swinging a sword and Jesus says no this is this is what I told you is going to happen Peter walks off and while Jesus is going to to his his uh crucifixion to his death to a painful beating and mockery and and peter's peter's not there like you said he was going to be and he's standing by the fire with 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 some folks and one of them says i think i think i know who you are i think i know that you're one of his followers i don't know who you what you're talking about i I, i'm not one of them i i I promise you I, i don't have anything to do with them so but can I tell you something Jesus reveals in this conversation that he's having with Peter here today about the battle that's going on in Peter? Well, we have to recognize and what is really missed in a lot of people's understanding of the Bible in their theology is that we are in a time frame that Jesus is talking about there's going to come a time. Something's getting ready to happen, okay? A lot of people, when they read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and see what Jesus is doing and what he's saying, they gotta, you've got to put it into the context of realizing that there has not been a death of the, the Lamb of God yet. See, this whole Old Testament is pointing to the fact all these sacrificial lambs, all the blood that's been shed, the bullocks and the turtle doves and the sacrifices at a brazen altar, and none of it changed a heart one time. Good folks that were trusting God and saying, this is all I know to do. But it was a lesson to be learned. Galatians says the law was like a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. Something was going on that the best you can do with the laws, the commandments, the precepts, the ordinances, all those words that just mean doing your best should point you to the fact that you need a Savior. And Jesus was constantly, everything you'll see from the Sermon on the Mount when you see him saying, you know what, you heard in the commandments, thou shalt not kill Let me tell you what's in your heart, those of you that are saying, I'm righteous, I've never killed anybody. And how many times a day do you think about killing somebody? Ooh. (laughs) I'm righteous, I never committed adultery. Hey, man, where's your eyes? Right? Right? 
He's saying, your heart is still so wicked. It doesn't matter where you look in any continent, in any, any century of the ways and philosophies and religions of the world. They're all going to say, try really hard to, to appease your God. Maybe it'll take several lifetimes, but you know what? After a while, we believe you can somehow be enlightened and better. And Jesus says, how's that working for you? Let's, let's look at how often you get angry with your brother without a cause. Let's look at how you really do. How, how do you really keep the commandments? Have you honored your father and mother? Let's look at your heart of anger. and Let's look at your heart of lust. Did trying not to build a fire on Saturday ever give you real rest? When Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, did they all say, not us, we have a Sabbath? No. He said, I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. So Jesus in this time frame, he's continually pointing them to a time that's going to come. That Jesus himself said, I'm with you, but I will be in you. And he's talking to Peter and he says something that I think a lot of folks don't recognize the importance of this statement. He said, when you are converted. Peter's one of the disciples. I mean, if you're going to look at the world at that time and say, who do you think has, has got it? I mean, righteousness and Go, they're, they're on their way. They're, they're in the middle of God's will. And Jesus says, you're in this battle. The devil's fighting you. But when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. Jesus is addressing something that has not really taken place yet. Now, I can tell you right now, it's not Peter's fault. It just was he, the process of time that needed to pass. When the fullness of time would come. Look what it says in John, the seventh chapter. John, the gospel of John 7. God is so good. Amen. Amen. I tell you, I've been in a lot of, I could tell you stories. While you turn to John 7, I could tell you stories of some of the craziest things that have happened during church services that have that I have powered through and preached through because of God's working and God's moving and, and just distractions like crazy that are, that we could laugh all day about, but having all this cuteness on the front row. Mm. I'm going to do my best. You keep praying. John seven, verse 37. If you have it, say amen. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. See, this was one of those Old Testament festivals, like the Day of, uh, uh, of Atonement, the Day of uh, the Pentecost was one of these days, Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But you know what? He said, there's still something missing inside, and if you're thirsty, if you have that desire, what did he say? Come unto me. I'm going to meet 
that emptiness that resides in each one of you religious folks. He's not looking at the world that's bowing at altars of Baal. He's not looking at the, all the sin that's going on, but he's looking at religious folks and saying, you know what, if you'd be honest with yourself, none of it has satisfied your heart. You can say you're good, you can say you're righteous, you can say you're a good law keeper, but you've got something missing in you. And he relates it to a thirst, something very fundamental. A need that is just so basic to us all. Let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said. Listen now. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now again, here's where a lot of folks get mixed up. Say, oh, I'm going to believe on him. But he's still in this understanding to teach them that something is getting ready to happen. That hasn't happened yet. This is before Calvary. Before Jesus shed his blood for the payment of sin. Before his burial that he prophesied three days and three nights. Just like Jonah in the belly of the the whale, the great fish. And the resurrection. And his ascension into heaven. His glorification. Because it says... He that believeth on me as a scripture, I said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. That idea of should receive isn't so much an understanding that, hey, you should do this, but they will. It's a, it's a future event. Look what it says. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given. So this believing on him, as the scriptures say, and out of your belly flowing rivers of living water is an event that had not been given yet. Because Jesus was not yet glorified. So the kind of conversion experience, the kind of Holy Ghost baptism, the kind of transformation that would happen through faith was not possible yet because Jesus hadn't been glorified. What do you mean glorified? His death, burial, and resurrection. We're going to receive glorified bodies. We're going to die and we're going to rise again like him. And there's going to be uh, uh, an eternal, praise God, life. Jesus still hadn't paid that price. They're still, he's still trying to get it across them. You, you need this. Don't trust in your works of righteousness. Don't trust in your trying to keep the law. It was all to point you to the fact that you need a Savior. Hallelujah. Look what it says. This he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. I get a lot of questions about the thief on the cross, but I want, I'm talking about Peter. Same, same difference, if you will. Before the death, before the burial, before the resurrection, before this experience Jesus is talking about, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which we poured out after Jesus is risen. Amen. If you go back, and we're going to see Jesus quoted here, turn to Acts, the first chapter. But if he, he's going to quote back in, uh, I believe it's Matthew, the third chapter. John came, the forerunner of Jesus, his cousin coming, saying, prepare, he's coming. 
Get ready. Repent. Turn all your turn away from sin. Come on, you guys are supposed to be God's people. Stop sinning and turn to Him. He's coming. Get ready. And he starts telling them. He's baptizing them. And, 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 And some of the Pharisees come because it seemed like it was the cool thing to do. All the cool kids are going down there and getting baptized. And he said, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? He's, because that's not what their purpose was. They weren't scared of, of God's judgment. They were just trying to fit in. Right. And he said, bring forth some fruit that is meat unto repentance. That means let me see a life that says, I want God. I'm hungry for God. I'm tired of my life of self-righteousness. Amen. And he said, there's one on his way. It's one coming after me who's mightier than I am. I'm not even worthy to unlatch his sandal buckle. He said, he, I baptize you with water, but he is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. It it is amazing to me that of all the things that Jesus has done and, and even talking about Calvary and the blood that would be shed, but all that encapsulated in John's understanding that it's going to lead to a time where he's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost and fire, that you're going to be blood bought. You're going to be cleansed and washed and forgiven so that the spirit of God can dwell in you. You will be converted. Was that the best amen you ever heard? (laughs) The spirit of God would not be behind a a veil somewhere, but God was going to dwell in you. Acts one, you have it. Verse four, being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the father. Listen to this now. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The disciples now are gathered together. At this point, Paul talks about Jesus being seen by somewhere around 500 people. Quite possibly, that's the amount of folks that were here. Now, we're going to find out only about 120 of them made it to the upper room. But Jesus died on the cross for the sins of humanity was buried three days, three nights, comes up out of the tomb, victorious over death. Amen? He's meeting with his disciples and, hey, now now let's go. Let's No, wait. Wait. That's what Terry means. Don't go out and preach. He doesn't say, go preach the gospel. Everybody get out of here. Go. What are you waiting for? Tell people I'm risen. He says, go to Jerusalem. And wait for the promise. Look what it says. Praise God. Wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. This is going to happen. This is, this is going to be the culmination of all, everything that, that has happened to this, to this point of, of the salvation of the, this covenant that I'm getting ready to make with you, that you will be changed. Amen. Peter, I told you, you're going to be transformed. You're going to be converted. Yes. Ha, I'm going to, you're going to be filled with my power now. Right. Look what it says. This, Verse 6, when they were 
They therefore were come together. They asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? There's no problem talking about prophetic uh, fulfillment of scriptures. But Jesus was saying, listen, guys, now is not the time. We've got plans. <laughs> We've got priorities. And right now we don't have to get around and have a committee and what's going on and how it's going to happen, how I'm going to return. What has to happen is there is a, a time where I am going to fill you with the power. You go wait for this to happen. Yeah. And he said unto them, it's not unto you to know the times of the season which the father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses of me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. You are going to receive power. I'm going to fill you. This is a, the conversion. Peter, he, he followed Jesus. The sick were healed. The, the, the dead were raised. Demons were cast out. All these great and mighty things. But he still didn't have what it took to stand by him. And have boldness to say, what do you think you're doing? But Acts 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. This was a feast day. This was a Old Testament festival, if you will. A harvest festival. But it had significance just like the lamb had significance of pointing to Jesus. This idea of harvest had significance of the plan and the purpose of God in this day would be the day of Pentecost would be fulfilled. When they were all in one accord in one place, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Mary was there, Jesus' earthly mother. Peter, the apostles were there, 120 gathered together in this upper room, praying and waiting on God, and God fills them with power. Amen. They all begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. God was moving in them. The Bible says that it was noised abroad, a multitude comes together. They start to question it. They start to mock and say they seem like they're drunk the way they're acting up there in their prayer meeting. And I don't understand what's going on. And you drop down to verse 14. Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my word to my words. These are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Can I tell you something changed? Something changed in Peter this day. He was converted. He was changed. He's not that old one said, I don't know what you're talking about. He saw that death. He saw the pain. He saw the the, the cruelty and the mockery and, and ran from that. But now he stands up just several days later and says, let me tell you about Jesus. He wasn't afraid to say, I'm one of them. He wasn't afraid to say, he was my Lord and my Savior. He wasn't afraid to say, you crucified him. He starts telling them, this was that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. See, Ezekiel said there's a new covenant coming. 
I'm going to wash away your sins and, and your iniquities. I'll remember them no more. And I'm going to write my law on your hearts now. And I'm going through my spirit dwell in you. Joel said this is that in that day, praise God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Amen. I don't think Peter even knew what he was saying there when he was prophesying that, reading that prophet, or quoting that prophecy, rather, because Jesus, the Holy Ghost, was getting ready to be poured out on all flesh, not just the Jew in Jerusalem, but the Samaritans and the Gentiles. Amen. But Peter stood up a changed man. No longer saying, oh, no, oh, oh no, I, I have no idea who you're talking about. No more trying to say, hey, you sit down. I'm better than you and I'm greater than you. And amen. Now he's got an anointing. Now he's different. Praise God. The difference is that Holy Ghost baptism. This shall it shall come to pass in these last days, saith God. Verse 17, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Why do people like to point to? Peter and say, hey, I I relate to this guy. He's messing up all the time. Well, you know, we mess up too when we're not walking in the spirit. We're really messing up if we don't even believe it's real. We're really messing up if we're just walking in our own strength, trying to follow God's commandments. Can I tell you, trying to follow God's will, trying to love and serve and give and to the level of what the Bible says. Dealing with all that good, you know, Romans, the seventh chapter, we're not going to turn to it right now. I don't believe, but Paul was a man like that. He wanted to do so good. He wanted to do right. But, but he said, who's going to deliver me from this flesh of mine? Oh, he went on and told them, I'll tell you exactly who delivered me. Hallelujah. And he said, well, we're going to turn to it. Hallelujah. (laughs) Romans seven. Verse 21, he said, I find then a law. Listen, I'm not talking to somebody who's just down and out or feeling like I just can't do anything right. I'm talking to somebody I want to do right. I want to to do right by, by my brother, my sister, my friends, my family. I want to be the best I can. But I find a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight. In the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. You can say all day, well, nobody's perfect. God understands. We all sin every day, all the time, word, thought, and deed. I've heard religious folks say that. I don't find it in my Bible. You say, well, God's just merciful and graceful. We grace and, and we just sin all the time. And God just, he doesn't see that because his grace and love just, the Bible says, don't be deceived. That's what the Bible says. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. If you're sowing sin, you're going to reap destruction. Amen. God's waiting for you to get so sick of sin that you say, God, I'm going to start sowing righteously. But the problem is you need help in that. You need God to change you and be that you would be converted. I see another law in my members. People love to point at and say, see, this is where I am. Well, Paul got out of that. Well, look at it. I see another law in my members warring against the law in my mind, bringing me into captivity, the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Christ, Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
So then with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh this law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 1. That walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. God gives you that victory that you don't have to walk in that old flesh. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Acts 4. Acts, the fourth chapter. Peter and John just walking down the street getting ready to go to a prayer meeting. Man sitting by the gate, looking for a handout, asking for help. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stop and pray for somebody? Praise God. Why don't you just go ahead and say, you know what? Hallelujah. I, I'm, I'm not going to just go ahead and shove $5 in, in, in your hand, but I'll tell you what, I'll pray for you right now. God will help you. Amen. And, and I'll do anything I can to, to, to get you, help you on the right track. Amen. Well, praise God. The Bible says it got around that this man was healed that once was, was sitting there lame. They began to, their religious order at that day, begins to say, well, we don't do it that way. Rather than say, you know what, maybe we ought to find out what's going on. If people are getting healed, we ought to have that. People are getting filled, we ought to have that. They'd rather beat and kill Christians, amen, than say, I might be wrong. That's a religious spirit. That is a hard heart, praise God, that will precede most of, of you just down and out rank sinners on the broad road to hell. Because they're so proud that though they are presented with the power of God, they'd rather stay with their traditions. And you know what? They call them in and say, you know what? I don't care what happened or how you did it. You're not going to preach in that name anymore. We, we're not going to follow that. We're not going to believe that way. We don't need that. We don't want that. And look what it says in Acts, the fourth chapter, verse 17. But that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, this is that one that said to the the girl by the by the fire, I, I'll tell you the truth. I have no idea who he is. Three times right. denying that he even knew Jesus. Right. Peter and John answered and said, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. Right. You tell me, am I supposed to listen to you or God? Right. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Right. So when they had further threatened them. They let them go, finding nothing that might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. And you can see it go on and on. Acts, the 8th chapter, verse 14. Philip is an evangelist. And he goes into Samaria just like Jesus told them in Acts 1 that would happen. It's going to start here in Jerusalem, but it's not going to be. It's not going to stay here. Under the Jew first. Somebody said, you know, the Bible says the gospel, I was asked this week about Romans 1.16, how I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ's power, God, unto salvation, unto the Jew first. Well, it, it was under the Jew first, amen. 
Peter, Paul and went to the synagogue first and reached the Jews first and, and it started there, but it branched out to whosoever will. And look what it says here. He went to, to Samaria and when the apostles, which were in Jerusalem, Acts 8.14, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent P, that to them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost for as Yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So what do we see here? We see a conversion that Jesus talked about. But not only that, that Jesus looked at Peter and said, when you are converted, but let's finish the statement, strengthen the brethren. So now the exciting thing about the change that God is going to bring in the the believer, in the child of God, but he is going to transform your, your heart and fill you with strength and fill you with the ability to do what you couldn't do without him. You're going to now be a blessing. You're going to be that one that can strengthen your family, strengthen your the church, strengthen the community. You're going to bring them, amen, that power. Now he's laying hands. They're saying, get Peter down here. What do we need Peter for? He's going to lay hands on somebody, and they're going to have that conversion experience like he had. He's going to pray for them. We're baptizing them, but we're, he's going to pray, and God's going to fill them with the Holy Ghost too. Hallelujah. First Peter, let's go to his, his writings in the New Testament. First Peter. So I want to tell somebody here today, if you really want New Testament salvation, not a form of godliness, not some tradition that takes this idea of, well, I, I, I said I believe, I believe in Jesus. I, I believe in George Washington. Right. It's got to be more than you believe in a historic figure. Right. Jesus said, if you believe on me as the scripture saith, yeah. out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Are you believing like the scripture says? Amen. Hey, I want to tell you, if you go at, back to in the book of Acts and see how Paul met some believers... He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, well, we don't really know a lot about it. There's a lot of people in the world that are ignorant of the word of God. And they're waiting for somebody to come and say, hey, let me tell you, like Peter did there in Samaria, about a Holy Ghost baptism that you can have too. If you want this Bible experience of New Testament gospel death, burial, and resurrection. When I follow Jesus, praise God, I follow him to the cross. I believe what he did, but my old life dies with him. I follow his burial through being baptized in his name, amen, for the remission of my sins, the book of Acts says. And I receive a resurrection experience through the baptism, the indwelling of his Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. The Bible tells us not only that we are partakers of this conversion experience, but now we have been changed to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. 
I wish everybody that's ever come to church, everybody that's ever experienced this amazing transformation had gotten a hold of a understanding, gotten a hold of a revelation that says, you know what? I'm part of something bigger now. I'm part of something amazing now. I'm part of God's kingdom. I've got purpose in my life, in my home, in my job, in the church, in the community. I've got purpose to, to strengthen the brethren. That this change that's happened in me is not just for me to enjoy, not just for me to hold on to, but now I'm a part of how God changes this world. That I don't just sit back and say, Look at all these druggies in the world that are so strung out and so messed up and so miserable. But I say, God, help me pray for somebody. They can be delivered and set free. Look at all these people with broken lives and broken families and Look at all these people with, that are so depressed and so angry and, and they, they, they show it in, in how they dress and how they act and how they lash out and how they treat and their music and their, in their artwork. I see, I see nothing but, but com- confusion and hurt and God, now you've made me a part of how you change the world. Amen. You've made me a part of how, I tell you what a lot of folks in church, and I, I hear it a lot with a lot of things I see as far as sermons and church services. We're looking at the landscape. We're seeing the forest. We're seeing darkness. We're seeing sin. We're seeing just awful, awful things happening in this world, in this country. And God says, go help that tree. Forget that that forest, that landscape of sin is made up of individuals that need to be converted. And you're a part of the process to change the landscape. One tree at a time. One life at a time. Are you hearing me? Rather than looking at this world and saying, I'm so sick and tired of how messed up it is. Recognize you've been called into the landscaping crew. You've been called to... To help the transformation happen. Amen. You've been called to. You're, you've got what it takes. Each one of us has what it takes to impact somebody's life. Starting right there in your home. Bringing that help. Bringing that hope. Showing them that there's something better. Showing them something that has strength and is, is real and has stability and, and a foundation under it. You have been called into, just like Peter, you know, you're, you're caught up in this battle of who's greater and you're caught up in this childish argument. And But there's a bigger picture, Peter. It's Satan desires you. He wants you to be a part of this sinful landscape. But I'm praying for you that your faith fail not. And he says, when you're converted, strengthen. Make a difference. Help those see that there is help. And that's what you'll see Peter doing from that day on. Amen. I'm not saying he was a perfect man. I'm not saying we become perfect men and women. You'll see Peter get caught up in some things there in the book of Galatians where Paul had to just kind of say, hey, Peter, wait, come on now. Straighten some things out here. 
But listen to me. He was a changed man that day. First Peter 1, he opens his epistle. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Christ Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice. Though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perisheth. What's he doing? Peter, what are you talking about? I'm strengthening the brethren, like Jesus told me I would. Though it be tried by fire, might be found under the praise and honor and glory at their appearing. Whom having not seen, you love, and whom, though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. What are you doing, Peter? I'm seeing people through manifold temptations and trials, fiery trials. I'm strengthening them, building them up, part of something that makes a difference. I'm part of something that makes change because God made a change in me. If people could get a grasp of the scope of what they come into when they become a Christian. You're part of something that is global. You're part of something that's worldwide. You're part of God's plan. You've been put in this area for such a time as this to shine your light. To take the change that God put in you. We, we grapple and fight our little battles and try to stay above our flesh just enough to, to, to survive. And the Lord says, when you're converted, you're going to be a blessing. Yeah. When you're converted, you're going to bring strength. You're going to bring strength and you're going to, you're going to be a part of how I change lives and families. Amen. Yeah. How I change those that are set free, those that are bound. You're going to be a part of that. How I see people, how, how, how I deliver people from, from addictions, from, from, from bondage, from, from all the works of the enemy. You're going to be a part of what I do to change the landscape. First Peter 4, another verse that we quote so often. We're going to close with this. First Peter 4, verse 12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Did you know both of these verses about the fiery trials? It was Peter strengthening the church. But rejoice in as much as you're partakers of Christ's suffering. We tell him, rejoice. You're going through it. Rejoice. You're partakers of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy there's purpose in your suffering there's purpose in your battle come on you're going to be all right this is a of the focus of a, of a child of god how can i bless i've been converted i've been helped i've been strengthened if you would come to church or look around at your job look around in your family in your home and say god you've helped me help me help them right. help me strengthen them and stop. Oh, I got to be saved. You are. God's converted you. You get filled with the Holy Ghost. God's enabling you to make change. 
Rejoice in as much as you're partakers of Christ's sufferings. Verse 14, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. For their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he's glorified. When they're all looking at you and saying, wow, you're different. Wow, there's, what's wrong with you? But they see the joy and they, they, they're looking and seeing something better. But they can't give it up. They can't quit. They, they, they're so hurting and so, so bound and they're seeing you be free. They're seeing that light. They're seeing that power of the Holy Ghost in you. It's not always easy, he says, child of God. But on your part, he is glorified. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. If you've been going through the process of a Kind of a, the idea of what a Christian is supposed to be that isn't what Jesus talked about, as the scripture saith, that out of your belly flow rivers. If there's not been a conversion, if there's not been that transformation, that somebody can look at you and say, I remember what you were, but that's not who you are today. God wants you. Today is the day. God wants to fill you and change you and transform you. But he's not done there. Oh, no. That's just the beginning. Because when Jesus paid that price and died on that cross and rose from the dead, he said it is finished. But he poured out his spirit on the church now and on, on believers. And now there was something working in them that brought a new start. A birth of a New Testament church that was going to go in the world and make a difference for the glory of God. That's what you've been called to do. Shine your light. Be bold in God. Pray for one another. Shine your light. Be that salt. Be that change and, and help somebody. Pray that God open doors, that you can be a strength, that you can be a blessing. I'll tell you, the people that are hurting the most in church, the people, let me say it this way, the people that are struggling the most to keep their head above water are the ones that are more focused on themselves. I'm so afraid. I don't want to fail. I don't want to mess up. I don't want to, I don't want to hurt God. I don't want to disappoint. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Power of God's greater than that. This will take you through. This will take you through whatever you got to face. God knows how to save people. You just go ahead and put your confidence in God and get your focus on helping somebody else be helped. Helping somebody else be blessed. Helping somebody else be healed. Helping somebody else be strengthened. And you'll see, you'll see something transform through you in your life. Let's bow our heads right now. Go, oh God, we love you so much. Oh, we thank you, God. I don't know why in this religious day that we're living in, this day so full of mega churches and Christians everywhere, why people are so afraid of the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why are people so concerned when they see how Jesus pointed the finger 
at a day that was going to come in the book of Acts and say, you wait. Peter, you're going to be converted. There's going to be a change in you. And that changes for you that are here today. God can transform your life. God can make the difference if you'll let Him. It's not going to be in your best effort. you got to surrender and say, okay, God, let your will be done. You read about it. You go to the book of Acts after the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. After that outpouring of the Holy Ghost. You just see it happening over and over and over again. These men and this, these churches that are being established, they're going into new areas. They're going into new territory. Preaching Jesus. Laying hands on folks and they're receiving the Holy Ghost. Speaking in other tongues. Don't be afraid of it. And please don't believe a lie that says it's not for today. You're not going to find that in the Word of God. Jesus said the devil's got his eye on you, Peter. The devil wants you to be his. But I've got a plan for you that you're going to be a help. You're going to be a strength. You're going to... You're going to make a difference in people's lives. But first, there has to be a conversion. There has to be a change. And that's going to happen when God fills you with his power. Come on, let's find a place to pray. Child of God, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, if you've received the baptism of his spirit, God's going to work through you. God wants to shine through you. You make yourself available to God. He's going to make a difference right there in your home, there on your job. But if you're here today, I want to ask you, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Those believers in Acts, the 19th chapter, said, we don't really know a lot about that. He said, how then were you baptized? If you've turned from your sins, if you've surrendered your life to God, and if not, why not? What are you waiting for? You sow into the flesh, you sow into sin, you're going to have a harvest you don't want. sin and turn to Jesus. Be baptized in His name. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4.12 If you've been baptized any other way than in the name of Jesus Christ, I tell you today, be baptized in Jesus' name. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This promise is unto you. Be here. T-
today. I wasn't sure who wouldn't be here today, but I know what God laid on my heart. You're here. If you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, if God filled you, but you've been lax in walking in His Spirit, your prayer life has been weak, you've been walking in your own strength, you've been walking after your own will, listen to me. You're going to fail. You're going to see those old ways start to resurface again. It's time to get renewed in God. Weak prayers don't avail much. There's a way to be strong, child of God. You need to spend some time in His presence. Being renewed in Him is what the Bible says. That Holy Ghost will strengthen you to make a difference. To stand. Somebody at your job, somebody in your family, somebody maybe even in this church needs a strength that's going to come from you. God wants to work through you. Are you available? Will you strengthen the brethren? Will you strengthen somebody around you? Will you be that one that brings change through your your witness, your testimony? Oh, I love you, Jesus. God, I'm asking you to help us to get a hold of an understanding, a revelation that, Lord, this promise of the power that you have filled us with makes us a part of the change, makes us a part of how people get free from sin. It's not enough to just condemn the sin. It's not just enough to say it's wrong, but to be a part of your power working to change, working to bring liberty from the bondage of sin. Help us, Lord, to be available to be used by you. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Father, thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your help. Lord, I pray we will take it with us. We'll consider it, Lord, and pray that you would just put that power in us, Lord, and use it to be a strength to others. Oh, hallelujah. Bless your people now. Pray, God. Lead us, guide us in your best. Keep us safe, Lord, as we travel. Keep us in in health and in safety, God. I pray again for these, Lord, that aren't here today. Sister Emily, Susan, God, Lord, hallelujah, Anna, God, heal them. And Lord, we believe you for victory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. God bless you.